Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. Sometimes people ask me if I could recommend verses for them in the scriptures. Usually they're asking me this because they want some kind of magic incantation of some kind, it seems, asking me to give them the special verse or the special phrase, the special something that will help them overcome the circumstances that they are facing. They may be experiencing a lot of loss or tribulation. They're just simply dealing with issues that everybody deals with in life in one way or another, and they are looking for something They're looking for something that they can refer to that will give them some sense of comfort, some sense of meaning or purpose, or some explanation of some kind in the circumstances of life that they're in. And I don't normally do that. I don't normally point people to individual verses in the scriptures. I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that. There are some scripture passages that I think of quite often whenever I'm dealing with issues myself. It's not as though I would completely ignore such a request. It's just that What I believe is more important is for a person to know the God who wrote those scriptures, who wrote those verses, that it's more important to know the person and that it is the person who will provide us with peace and rest in the deepest part of our being. And so I don't normally refer people to the scriptures in that way, except, of course, in some circumstances or just a matter of conversation. But there are a lot of people who do this, and there are many verses that people turn to whenever they're struggling with issues. One of the common ones is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. In verse 31 it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? This can be a wonderful thing to be reminded of, that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Because normally we're motivated to pursue verses like this or to read verses like this because we're having some problems, because it feels like the entire world is against us. And so we will read things like this with the hope that we'll experience some sense of encouragement or some peace in our minds, knowing that God is for us, if we will, of course, only believe that. Unfortunately, there are many things that people believe that makes it very difficult for them to consider that God is really for them. For example, when a person is dealing with issues related to sin, if they are still struggling with their own personal sins, if they still have lots of sins in their life that they are reminded of on a regular basis, either by their pastor or their spouse or their children or whoever it may be, then it's very easy for a person to assume that God is not for them because their sin is being held against them. This is a common issue that people struggle with. And so a verse like this might be inspiring, but only to a limited extent. For him to suggest that if God is for us, who can be against us does say something about other people, though. In many ways, I can't help but think, well, who is against me? Well, everyone is against me. Sometimes I just can't help but think that everyone is against me. And so if everyone is against me, then there's only one person that is for me, and that's God. Some people might say that they're for me in some ways, but their actions and their attitudes sometimes mean something different. Or they're not willing to help me when I really need it. 
things like that. Sometimes people can feel when situations are really rough, when situations are really difficult, sometimes it's very easy to feel that the whole world is against you. And, you know, in some ways that's true. In some ways it is true because when you're dealing with people in the world, people are in general, they're empty, they're they're needy, they're people who are empty inside and they really have a need for love and acceptance, meaning and purpose, and they look to you as a means of trying to have these needs met in one way or another, either because of the things that you may be able to provide for them or the relationship that you might be able to provide for them. It is not unusual for people to look at each other with the attitude of this person exists for my personal benefit. And because people look at each other with that kind of a premise, with that kind of an attitude that others exist for the purpose of providing them with some form of personal benefit, then it's very easy for people to eventually start looking at each other as if they are an enemy of some kind or as if they are against you in some way. It's very easy for people to begin to feel that way after a period of time. They feel used. They feel abused. They feel as though people have taken advantage of them. And in some ways, they might be right. Absolutely. Because people are empty inside. They need their God. And if they do not know their God, they have no alternative but to turn to others to try to meet the deepest needs that they have. Unfortunately for them, that is not going to be accomplished. Now, people in religion or in the church, they behave the same way. Just because somebody claims to be a Christian does not mean that they are truly resting in the love of God. For them to claim that they're a Christian does not automatically mean that that's the case. And so you have people in religion, you have people in the church, you have people who you believe would think otherwise who don't. And when these people interact with you, you will eventually discover this, even though you assumed something different before, you will eventually discover that they're just as empty as someone who is in the world, who is lost, who doesn't know the Lord at all. Or they might even have more issues. You never know. It's very difficult to deal with these kinds of things because of the uncertainty that exists in the world. But regardless of this, what I want you to understand is that people do look to each other in this way, and because of that, sometimes it's very easy to feel as if the whole world is against you because they are definitely not there for you. They are definitely there for the purpose of getting something from you. Now, people form relationships with each other, and sometimes people have very healthy relationships. And I mean healthy in the sense that they don't have a relationship with the other with the expectation that they are going to get something from the other person. Instead, they can form a relationship with each other on the basis of some mutual benefit where they are giving to each other, not just taking from each other, but they are contributing in some way in order to improve the life of the other individual. Now, this, of course, varies within all relationships, and so I'm only speaking in generalities right now. I can't get into specifics, of course. I'm just dealing with the subject, not with individual cases when I mention this. But I want you to understand that when people do get together, this is a very unusual circumstance that people would have such a friendship as this. Normally, there are expectations that people have of each other. And if you fail to meet the expectations of somebody else, you can have some confidence that they are eventually going to share that with you, that they are going to tell you that they are disappointed, that they are disappointed with the way that they live. They're disappointed with what you do or what you do not do. People will express their disappointments to other people, and the attitude that people have towards one another is one of, you have sinned. 
you have sinned in some way towards me because you are not meeting the expectations that I have of you. Now, you probably have people in your life who you express this to. You probably express your feelings towards somebody. Is there anyone in your life, just consider that for a moment, is there anyone in your life who you believe is behaving in an inappropriate way, in any way at all? They are just simply behaving inappropriately, either because of what they do or because of what they don't do. And on occasion, you've probably reminded them of this, or you have notified them of this at least. You have told people, listen, I'm a little bit disappointed with how you are behaving. I'm a little bit disappointed with what you have not done on my behalf or on behalf of somebody else. And what usually happens when you notify people like this? What What is their response? Do people normally concede and say, oh, yes, you're absolutely right. I will definitely do something about it. These are the things that I'm going to do. These are the ways that we are going to be able to measure the progress and the success. And there will be some accountability. And this is the date on the calendar when there will be a resolution to this issue. Is that the kind of response that you've gotten in the past? It's very unusual for people to reply that way. So if you have, just consider yourself to be very fortunate. But for the rest of us, we, we don't have people like that in our lives at all. People don't normally react that way. If if I notify somebody who's close to me that I have a concern about the way that they are behaving or the decisions that they are making, if I do that, especially if they're affecting me because of what they do or because of what they don't do, then what kinds of reactions do I get? Well, there's a number of different reactions that I can get. First of all is denial. That's usually the first reaction that people get or that people express. If you confront somebody with their sin, then they'll just deny it. They'll just say, no, no, that is not me. That is not me. I am not the one. I am not the one at fault. Sometimes I make jokes about this and I say things like, no, that's not me in that videotape. That's not me in that photograph, you know, because sometimes people look for evidence such as that in order to prove that things actually happened the way that they claimed, things like that. But even if people are well informed, if they are notified and the evidence is overwhelming, even then people will still find a way to just simply deny it. Now, they can't always do that, of course. Sometimes the evidence is just so overwhelming that you just can't do that. You're not going to be able to completely deny it unless you are the kind of person who really doesn't care about anybody around you, and you don't care if the evidence is overwhelming because you don't really care about that individual. If that's the case, and you can just deny it and just treat them like they're nothing, and there are people who do that to other people. I understand that. But when people finally discover that they have been exposed, then what else do they do? What can they do when they have been exposed? Well, they can just simply ridicule you. They can mock you. They can show their contempt towards you. How can they do that? Well, it's easy. All they have to do is find something that you do that they feel is inappropriate. So what people do is they just simply ignore everything that you shared with them. They pretend as if it did not exist, and they begin to share with you the fact that you do not behave like they think you should. You see, when people have relationships with each other, sometimes it requires individuals to pretend that some things don't exist. We call that overlooking issues, but I'm just going to call it pretending that things don't exist, or those things just simply are not important to us until a circumstance evolves when it does become important to us, and then we just simply have to deal with these issues. 
But when we attempt to do that, people will immediately turn things around and say, well, you have got issues, too. Let's talk about you and your issues and let's work out all of these things that I want to bring up before we even consider what you just wanted to talk about. This is how a lot of people deal with circumstances like this, and they will completely exhaust you. They will totally destroy you personally and emotionally. They will just simply ridicule you and even make a joke about such things that they are showing contempt towards. And when they feel satisfied that they have shared with you all of their disappointments of you, then you get to have the opportunity to attempt again to share with them what you wanted to share with them to begin with, but they refuse to deal with. This is how a lot of people relate to each other, and it's a very, very destructive form of communication between two individuals. It is an expression of ridicule and contempt, and when this takes place, people don't forget this. What I mean by people don't forget this is that if I have some concern because you are doing something that is really destructive in my life, and I try to share that with you, and you respond to me with ridicule and contempt, I won't forget that. People won't forget this when other people ridicule them. So what do we do? How do we respond to the ridicule and the contempt that was expressed towards us? Well, the next time we have something to share with somebody else that we are concerned about, we just simply won't do it. We won't even try it. Why bother? Because we know that this person thinks of us in such a way that they have so much contempt towards us that they will ridicule us and they will bring up anything and everything that they can think of that they might have against us in order to avoid dealing with the issue that we wanted to raise and deal with. And when this happens, relationships die. They die. Sometimes they die a little bit faster or slower than others, but they will eventually die. This is poison to relationships, and it is a very unfortunate thing, and it usually does take a period of time before the destruction is so severe because people don't deal with the issues that are causing problems in each other's lives. This eventually leads to a total absolute separation between the two individuals. This is what happens. Now, this is not the only way that people may react just by ridiculing and showing contempt. Sometimes people respond violently. And when I use the word violence, that doesn't necessarily mean that a person is responding by striking someone with their fists or with their foot or with some other weapon of some kind. That's what people think of when the word violence is used because they want to be able to exercise violence in other ways. And they don't want to let go of other ways that they might be able to be violent towards others. For example, one of the most powerful ways that people can exercise violence is with their words. They may not use their hands, but they can use their words. Words are not normally looked at as a form of violence, but they are more destructive than when people use physical violence. They are even more destructive in many cases. I'm not trying to minimize physical violence. I'm trying to bring out the reality that verbal violence can be even more destructive because it deals with the issues of a person's heart, not just the issues related to their flesh. So I want you to understand that sometimes people will respond violently, and if they're not successful 
in dealing with you by using contempt or ridicule, then they will use violence. They will instead say things that they know will hurt you, not just make a mockery of you, but they will intentionally say things in response to hurt you. And then what do you get from them? What you get is a message that says this. Don't you dare ever tell me, ever, that you have some concern about who I am, how I behave, or how I don't behave. Don't you dare ever even suggest such a thing, because if you do, I will do whatever I can that I can get away with to hurt you. I will hurt you in whatever way I possibly can. And this is how relationships sometimes end a little quicker. If denial doesn't work, if ridicule and contempt doesn't work, then don't worry. We can use verbal violence by saying things that hurt other people. Now, if a relationship survives this, which in general they don't, normally relationships do not survive this, when it escalates to the point of violence, the relationship is normally over if there was ever one to begin with. At that point, there usually is no opportunity for a person to ever really have a bond with the other individual. Now, they might be able to live together, they might be able to work together, they might be able to do lots of things together. But when it comes to having a real bond between two people, it doesn't exist anymore at this point. At this point, it really doesn't. Because what you have is you have normally one individual who is in so much pain that they will never, ever expose themselves to the other They will never do so again because they know full well that not only is it meaningless and useless, but they know full well that they will be met with an extreme form of violence that they would rather just simply not deal with anymore. And so they either concede that this is the way their relationship is going to be, or they leave and they end it. Those are the only two options that are left. And will the other person ever recognize this? I have found it to be virtually impossible for other people to recognize this because they believe that they have a functional, useful, and healthy relationship because the other person obviously isn't complaining anymore. And so they make the assumption that everything is just fine. They say, I know everything's just fine. Don't worry. If things aren't fine, I'm going to assault this person verbally until it is. You know, that's the kind of relationships that a lot of people have. A lot of people deal with this. I know this because I deal with a lot of people, and a lot of people ask me things about how to resolve these matters or how to deal with these issues. And unfortunately, it's very, very difficult. But what I want you to understand is that in the midst of these circumstances, there's only one healthy solution to this, and that is to acknowledge the truth. To acknowledge the truth that we sin, that we do sin, that we are not as impressive as we think we are, and that we do hurt other people. And to acknowledge that, you know, it's very, very difficult when people come to you and they express their concerns about what you're doing or what you're not doing or what you said or what you didn't say. When people come to you and you try to use denial or ridicule or verbal violence in some way, when that happens, have you noticed that these issues never get resolved? But what would happen if you just simply said, you're right, you're right. What would happen then? There would be no place to go. There would be no place to go for an argument. There would be no place to go for a debate. There would be no place to go anymore except to say, yes, this is wrong, and that is the way things have been. 
then you can deal with issues with regards to what you might do about it, what you could do about it, and what you can't do about it. But my point in saying this is for you to understand that there is only one solution to sin, and that is, first, the acknowledgement of the truth. And then, second, there has to be forgiveness. There has to be. Because if there is no forgiveness, then there is nothing. There just simply is nothing. Now, when it comes to our relationship with our God, it was established on the basis of forgiveness. And that forgiveness was only possible because we acknowledged to God our sin. When we acknowledged that we had a need for forgiveness because of who we are, because of what we have done, or because of what we have not done, when we recognize that, then we can be the recipients of forgiveness. And that is how our relationship begins with our God. When it comes to having relationships with others, sometimes that is how a relationship begins with another person. Another person who you may have known for 20 or 30 or 40 years. You may have lived with this person every day and you never truly had a relationship with them You may not ever begin to have a relationship with them until you acknowledge your sin and you acknowledge their sin. You forgive their sin and they forgive yours. Until then, there may be no opportunity to ever have a relationship with anyone at all. But when it comes to our God, he is not against us. He is for us. Because he does not hold our sins against us anymore. That's what makes it possible. And when we consider how people turn to other people for the purpose of getting whatever they can out of them, when it comes to our relationship with our God, because of the forgiveness that we have, because of the reconciliation that we have, he gives to us all things. He gives to us all the things that he has for us, and he gives to us all the things that we truly need. So again, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He's talking about, what he has already given to us, that he gives to us all that he has, all that we have a true need for, for life and for godliness. He was able to accomplish this because he forgave us. And that is what began the relationship between us and our God. In verse 33 it says, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies At that point, there is nothing that anyone can say against you before God. There is nothing that anyone can say. There is nothing that can ever be held against you because he is the one who decided to provide forgiveness. So also between you and others, there is nothing that anyone, not even the individual, can ever say against you or towards you that can separate you from an individual who you have forgiven. Whether they acknowledge the sin or not, you can forgive. God has forgiven everyone in the world. He does not hold anyone's sins against them. And so he's not waiting around for them to admit their sin. He's not doing that. But instead, 
He has offered to everyone the free gift of salvation, and if they will receive that, then they will receive everything that he has to offer. In verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. In other words, there is a person who is interceding on our behalf. There is someone who deals with our sins whenever any accusations are made, whenever we commit any sins. He is dealing with this himself. There is no reason to ever be concerned about it ever again between us and our God. And then in verse 35, it says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yes, your sin will, or at least that's what everybody's telling people in religion today. You must recognize that relationships are very, very difficult. But when there is the acknowledgement of the truth and forgiveness is applied, all relationships can begin. And between us and our God, this has been accomplished. You must understand this, because if you do not understand this, then you will not recognize when the relationship that your God called you to actually began. As I was explaining earlier, you can have a relationship of some kind with someone for a long time, and yet because of denial and ridicule and violence, you never really begin to have a true and honest and real sober relationship with this individual. But when you come to Christ Jesus, according to the gospel, and you recognize your condition and his provision in light of your condition, then you recognize that your relationship begins. Now, your relationship is not about his intercession. That is not the relationship. If there is any accusation that is brought to him concerning you, then certainly he will be there to intercede. But in most cases, because people are still totally preoccupied with their daily sin, they assume that the relationship is about the intercession for that sin on a daily basis. But it is not. That is the foundation that enables us to enter into the new life in Christ Jesus that he has called us to. It is when the sin issue ends that our relationship with our God actually begins. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you, man.